I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus is builder of the church. He's not the builder of all churches, but he's the builder of his church. Years ago, I started a church that didn't work because it was my church. The Lord wasn't building it. Well, I wanted it to be one. I was like Abraham who said, Oh, God, please let Ishmael be the son that you promised me. <laughs> I was like, Oh, God, please let this be a church you are building. But when God builds a church, he authors it. And uh, I was the author of it. In my zeal, I got ahead of his call. It says he will build his church in the gates of Hades or hell or the grave will not prevail against his church. Hallelujah. Today we're going to complete the sermon I taught a couple weeks ago. Jesus builds two. I hope this is a better one than that last one. Anyway, I will not re-preach it, but this is a continuation from my notes. Jesus is building his church in real time. Right now, Jesus is building his church. Can we say that? Jesus is building his church. He is. Years ago, I used to sing this song, Builder of the Church, Master of the Plan. It goes kind of like this. Builder of the church. Master of the plan. I give to you my life. I yield to you my hand You said you would build your church Hell's gates would not prevail With you our foundation we will never fail builder of the church master of all desire to be a church that you're building and we recognize the truth that says unless the Lord builds a house those who labor labor in vain and we know that it's possible to start out in the spirit and finish in the flesh take the job away from you Lord let us be an expression one of the many expressions in this community of a congregation that you're building a representation of the church you're building around the world in time and in space, that universal church. In Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that we would see clearly some of the unique features of a church that you're building. Amen. All right, let's begin. Jesus said he was build his church. I like the name church. I understand it's creative to call your uh, congregation something other than a church, but he came to build a church. He didn't come to build a boutique or a center. He came to build his church. My father, this is my mom and dad celebrating their 50th. He's built, in my mind, I can remember he's built five churches in three countries and remodeled one, and built a campground. So tremendous builder, a man with, I think he has superpowers, awesome builder. But he would admit that the church is not a building. We call this our church, but for years we didn't have our own building. This is actually our ninth location. This one's ours. It's 
the mortgage is down below $57,000. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's down from 250000 in six years. Thank God. We're believing that this year is the day to pay that thing off. So, um, hallelujah. Church is not a building, though. It's a people. It's the people of God that he assembles. It's a family that he builds. It's a community. It's a body. It's a, a, a koinonia fellowship, a place where people give of themselves to serve one another and to be a light as, as a group to the world. Where two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus said, he is in the midst. Um, and throughout the scriptures, we see the church meeting in small groups and in large groups. Acts 20.20, 20, Paul said, I held back nothing uh, in teaching. I minister to you publicly and house to house. Um, there's a movement, a wind of doctrine blowing through the church right now that big churches are not of God, mega churches are evil, and uh, the early church was not a mega church. And I, I, it's like, I beg your pardon. Uh, 3,000 people saved the first day. And then in a short while later, the church had grown to 5,000 people. And in that, those day and times, they counted men. Sometimes they didn't count the women and children. It was huge. It couldn't all fit in one house. And um, sometimes when the church is illegal, they do meet in houses. If you ever want to see what that's like, where God's moving mightily, the churches are growing, but it's illegal to have a building, and they just meet in houses, just go to YouTube and type in Chinese revival. And you see hundreds of people crammed in the houses. And because they have to. They don't have a choice. But here we have the freedom of worship. And there's no scripture that, that forbids us having large meeting places. So um, buildings are important. But they're not the church. It's the people of God. Amen. What kind of church is Jesus building? We shared the church he is building is his. He said, upon this rock I will build my church. And this church that's his is made up of his people who are following, following his call to leave their selfish ways. You know, the world's full of millions of people that want to be famous. But the church is made up of people who want him to be famous. Amen. 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 Whether we get famous or not, that's not the point. Him being famous. The church he is building is one that knows and preaches him. Peter had just stated, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He just identified him as the Messiah, who he really was. And Christ said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So the church that he's building knows who he is, and they proclaim who he is. The church he is building teaches a Bible with a perspective that views others through the lens of their God-given calling. I really believe that. There's, a church can become toxic by believing the Bible but approaching it from the standpoint of condemning other people. And Christ lifted people up. Now, he was hard on people that used the scriptures to condemn others. He was hard on that. But he lifted people up. He, here is Simon, son of Jonah, an impetuous man, a man who four verses later he's going to have to rebuke with the words, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> and here... He calls him by this name that he's given him, Peter. He was Simon, son of Jonas, who he was. But he recognized him as Peter. I heard that Simon means a reed. I don't know if someone could check the Greek to see if that's true. It's awesome that a man could be transferred from a reed, something that's easily shaken by the wind, to a rock, something that's solid. Uh, Peter had a real revelation of him being a rock and of us being rocks. He, he wrote in his letters to the church that we are... A spiritual house made up of living stones being built up, being edified, being built up to give God praise. So sure, maybe we were felons, but now we're the righteousness of God. Maybe you were a criminal or you were a greedy person or you were a loser, but in the eyes of Jesus, he's called you to be a winner and he approaches you, relates to you at that level. So as a healthy church that he's building, we need to follow likewise. That that sister is not an ex-prostitute. She's my sister. That brother's not a former pimp. He's my brother. Let me make it real. Um, 
That child is not just annoying. That's my brother and sister's little child who may one day be my be a leader of this church or somewhere. Um, that aggravating person isn't just an aggravating person. That's a person I need to relate to. They're the child of God. And this, this uh, builds up an atmosphere of acceptance that I think makes a church healthy. Uh, people cannot arise above the level of your expectation. If you expect them to be a loser, in your presence they can't be anything else because you won't let them. Christ could only heal a few sick people in his hometown because they couldn't accept the fact that the man who was one of their own was the son of God. Going to be famous. They just couldn't accept it. They rejected it. So he couldn't function, be his true self in their midst. Have you been to a family reunion where you really can't be who you are? We know that you're awesome. They don't know that you're awesome. And you just kind of in the shadows there, just one of the cousins. Well, church shouldn't be like that. Church is a place where we're to lift one another up. We're a spiritual house made up of living stones being built up in him. Amen. The church he's building is being made pure and glorious as his members take his word seriously and apply it appropriately. I like to think, it, think of it like this. The Holy Spirit is like water. And the word is like soap. And when the spirit applies the word to our lives, purification begins to happen. Famous passage on marriage, but a picture of what Jesus is doing to the church. A picture of what's happening in your life right now. Maybe you've been confused, and this will clear some things up. Paul writes, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Here's why Jesus gave himself for us. That he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. There's a missionary in the Pacific who uh, tells a story of a man named Johnny Lingo. Johnny Lingo lived on an island where you paid a, a dowry or a labola to your future in-laws to get the hand of their daughter in marriage. And you could get a good wife for, for three cows an exceptional wife for five cows. You heard this story? And uh, when he landed on this island, he kept hearing the name Johnny Lingo. He's a very successful man, Johnny Lingo. Johnny Lingo. Very smart man, but very dumb when it comes to wives. He paid seven cows for his wife. And uh, you know you can get a good wife for three cows, an exceptionally good wife for five. He paid seven for his when he could have got her for less than three. And uh, this particular businessman went to his house to conduct business, and they were being waited on by an absolutely beautiful woman. And Johnny Lingo introduced her to him as his wife. And so in private, the American questioned him, why did you pay seven cows for her? People make fun of you. Yes, I know they make fun of me. He said, I wanted a seven-cow wife, so I paid seven cows for her. I didn't want my wife going to market, going to the store, going to draw water, and people being asked, what did your, people asking her, what did your husband give for you? He said, I didn't want her hanging her head down saying two cows. I want her to hold her head up and say he paid seven. And uh, apparently she was cowed down when he got her cowed down. Boy, I wonder if it comes from that. <laughs> but through his love for her, loving her as Jesus loves the church, she rose up and became a glorious bride. A lot of truth in there, kind of back to the acceptance thing. I think you got that point, right? But Christ is esteeming us, but cleaning us up. 
we're not what we were and we're not we're going to be what we're going to be, but praise the Lord, he's not finished with me. We're not what we were, we're not what we're going to be, but praise the Lord, he's not finished with me. Don't tell your neighbor it looks like you could use a little more soap. What kind of church is Jesus building? The church he's building will overcome death. The gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. Philosopher Chesterton said, Chesterton, Christianity has died many times and risen again, for it has a God who knew his way out of the grave. Now, maybe you interpret the fact that gates of hell will not prevail against the church a little differently than I do. Here's the way some people interpret it to mean. Here's the gates of hell trying to keep us blocked in and we're going to bust down the gates of hell by praise and worship. Hallelujah. And here's a demon being tormented. I mean, really tormented. Let's think about it for a minute. Are tormenting spirits in hell now? No. I don't care what the Carmen music video said. He's a prince in power of the air. I think there's been some binding in him, and I think the church has some authority. But we cannot cast demons into hell. If we could, they'd all be there now. The last time I checked the news, there's still some demonic stuff happening in the world. So the gates of hell cannot represent Satan's kingdom because he's not down there sitting on a throne. He doesn't want to be there. That's, that's punishment for him. So he's not issuing orders from hell to torment the saints. And the, the, the gates of hell are not what's holding us in. The gates of, we are a problem to the gates of hell. The gates of hell are not a problem to the church. We are a problem. I believe this speaks of resurrection power. The church will never die. God will always have a witness in the earth. The grave will not prevail against the church. And Christ is coming back one day, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the air, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet. Hallelujah. So to me, this alludes to that. Am I saying the church isn't at war with the enemy? No, I'm just saying this verse doesn't deal with that. It's dealing with conquering. We were on our way to hell. Hell refers to the grave, but also refers to the place of eternal torment. We were on our way there, were we not? But praise the Lord, the church isn't going there, so hallelujah. What kind of church is Jesus building? The church he's building will overcome death. The church he's building will have positive impacts on their community. We are the light of the world, the city that's set on the hill that cannot be hidden. That is the church. May God make generations an expression of that truth. I love this story. This is a church in the inner city of Chicago, Armitage Baptist Church, pastored by Charles Lyons. During the 1980s, the OA gang, OA stands for Orchestra Albany, dominated the neighborhood where this church was. And so they created three or four teams of prayer to do prayer patrol. The team was made up of two or more people who walked through the neighborhood Street, uh, street walking, prayer walking. Uh, th these were men. They didn't send their women out to do this. And uh, normally when the OA gang hung out on the quarter, corner, no one would go near them. Once a gang member puts on his colors, the only adult that may ever speak to him again is a police detective. With the gang watching every car, keeping an eye out for drive-bys, our prayer patrols would slow down and find a place to park. Then the patrol would do the unheard of, walk right up and start talking to the gang. It would go kind of like this. Hey, I'm Alan, and this is Billy Bob. We're from Armitage Baptist. We're the prayer patrol. How you doing? 
Is there anything we can pray with you about? Do you have a sick baby, a sick sister, a brother in jail? Can we pray for you? These prayer patrolmen, patrolmen would then put their hands on the shoulders of these lost gang members and pray for them fervently. In time, the gangs got to know and began to respect the prayer patrols. The gang soon called their block. The gang had called their block headquarters for 20 years. Today, they're gone. The gang was overcome by the power of prayer. Positive influence on the community. Very strong church. They're still there. Look them up on the Internet. They have a neat website. Churches of Granbury uniting once a year in an attempt to inspire it to be more than once a year, but they're uniting once a year to go out into the community and bless their neighbors. There are some people that come to church here now because we bless them. Can't remember everybody, but Bree, you raise your hand. Bree was blessed, and we welcome Bree. This is this is godly. This is what churches should be about: loving their community. Churches united together and created the Brazos Pregnancy Center, which is now the Pregnancy Clinic, a place where a girl in crisis can go and receive help and counsel and encouragement so she can have her baby without the brainwashing that's going on in the world trying to encourage her to do something that she would regret. This is awesome. A positive impact on our community. If Roe versus Wade ever gets reversed, I pray it does, there will still be a place in every community for ministries like this. I really believe if we had ministries like this before Roe v. Wade, there may never have been a Roe v. Wade. The church was too religious and condemning of those. You know, pregnancy isn't a sin, but sin can make you pregnant. And just condemning them, it's a shame and all that stuff. So God is gracious and they're making a difference. Hundreds of lives are, have been rescued since they have opened. The church crisis building will have positive impacts on their community. The church is building will have positive impacts on the world. We're attempting to be that kind of church. So I've learned a new word, new word, the word glocal. Who's ever heard of the word glocal? Combination of the word local and the word global around the corner and around the world. I believe the Great Commission is given to every local church. Go, make disciples in all the world. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Acts 1.8. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Granbury is our Jerusalem. Texas is our Judea. America is our Judea. Mexico is our Samaria. Canada is our Samaria. The uttermost part of the earth, let's look at it. And we can have an impact because of the country we live in. The world's coming to us. Coming to us. The Pertels are buying up hotels. There's a region of India where everybody has a last name Pertel. And there's a, there's a um, urban legend in that community that says if you go to America and get a hotel, you become very rich. And they are doing it. Nine times out of ten, if you see an Indian owner of a hotel, you ask him what his last name is. It's Pertel. It's from that region of India. So we can have an impact on India right here in our, in our nation. We can. How can we positively impact our community and the world? By going whether it's to the foreigner who lives across the street or works at the convenience store or a mission trip, going. Maybe it's taking a job overseas, going. Being a witness in the marketplace, giving, helping others to go, helping others who have gone to survive, serving mission projects, 
further the cause of the Great Commission. Pray. My goodness, that should have been first. We need our prayers. And sending. That's the fun part. Some of the missions we support, I'll just highlight a few of them. They're in a, a document called Generations Extensions. I think there's, uh, let's see, there's 12 ministries that we support as a church corporately. First, first one is the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute. It's the first mission we began to support. Uh, our guest speaker last Sunday, Jeffrey Cohen, if you weren't here, you need to order the CD. They're only a dollar. We don't throw them at you, so you have to ask for them by filling out a form. But he did an elo eloquent job explaining why the gospel is to the Jew first and why it must be to the Jew first. If the church had kept that principle, took Paul's verse seriously in Romans 1, verse 16, isn't it? The gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If the church had kept that principle in place, it would have kept their doctrine pure. They would have thought twice before making the saints into gods and goddesses. Wait a minute, we can't do this. Jews will never swallow this. They will say this is idolatry. We're to carry the gospel to the Jew first. We need to re-examine our doctrine. Uh, the existence of the Pope would never have come into being if the church had kept the gospel to the Jew first. A lot of our modern nonsense wouldn't be in existence today on the airwaves and behind pulpits if the church would keep the gospel to the Jew first because it keeps you in touch with our Old Testament roots. And uh, anyway, it's good. Praise the Lord. So we're, they're the first mission we started supporting. They have several campuses around the world for Jews who've become believers. And now those graduates are beginning to plant congregations. Hope for Others is an amazing place in Covington, Louisiana. Mark and Joy Gomez from this congregation live there and serve there. It's a home for children, handicapped children, wayward children, uh, tremendous ministry. But not only is it a home for children, it is a container-filling center for Romania. The way it happened was they had a child from Romania that wasn't an orphan. Some, somebody tried to pull a fast one and took a couple's child. So through this, it's a long story of him restoring this kid to the parents, uh, the, the uh, Johnny Huffman. The brother who runs the ministry wound up going to Romania. God sees his heart for Romania. So he's still running a children's home, but they're doing missions, tremendous things for missions in the nation of Romania. So we ride piggyback, put a lot of stuff in their containers and send it to the ministries we're involved with in Romania. And two or three times a year, we'll send a team there to do work on this huge property, maintenance work. It's all for the cause of Christ, for children, for the next generation, and for the nations. Awesome thing that we do. Uh, we're helping by sending so much a month for uh, a ministry in Zimbabwe. My family and I were part of starting this congregation in Salisbury, Rhodesia, now known as Harare, Zimbabwe. And this church became non-denominational. And in the process, they lost their building because the denomination owns a building. And then in the process, they exploded. They're running in the thousands. But the economy in that nation is just... In, in unbelievable bad shape. The other day it was a billion of their dollars to one of ours. When we were there in the 70s, it was two of ours for one of theirs. So it's just, un, it's just terrible. And they're, they're needing to build a 10,000-seat auditorium, so we send them an amount every month to help them. Just a few things that we're doing. We support YWAM Haiti. And this year we were blessed. Haitians came to Granbury, a dozen of them. Stayed in some homes of our members ministered in churches. I think they ministered in 11, in 11 times in 10 places, something like that. And it was just an amazing time. And they're doing a great work in that nation. The Moon Hanks, they're from Granbury, and they're leaving for Papua New Guinea tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Ken and Michelle, wonderful couple. The European Initiative, Jeff Serio, had... Uh, Steve Joy and I had some iced tea with him this week. Serving in Berlin, Germany, attempting to make a difference. He's now networked with 17 congregations in Berlin and 
flying in or sponsoring short-term mission trips to come in and help serve these 17 congregations with all different kinds of things. There may be an opportunity for us here to team up with some other churches and send a team to Berlin. You'd like to do that? It's, it's an awesome city, a lot of history there. Make a difference. Speaking of that, here's a promo, promo video I ripped from YouTube. is a story of the Berlin Airlift, the operation carried out by the Royal Air Force and the United States Air Force to supply two and a quarter million people of Berlin with food, coal, and other necessities of life. In June 1948, all road and rail communications between the Allied zones and the western sectors of Berlin were closed by the Russians. For ten whole months, a ceaseless stream of Allied aircraft landed in Berlin, where Germans eagerly unloaded the vital supply. Yes, the life of Berlin has been maintained. The airlift carries on. They're searching for truth. They're searching for, for anything real, anything that they can believe in. This is the continent that was known for sending out missionaries, and now it seems to be a spiritual graveyard. The New York Times recently reported that contemporary Europe is the most godless civilization the world has ever known. founders of European Initiative, and we want to thank everyone who supports European Initiative, helping us proclaim the love and life of Jesus in Berlin, in Germany, and the rest of Europe. Over the past year, your support and participation with European Initiative has changed lives. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. As the airlift of the 1940s, brought food to the people of Berlin. You have allowed EI to airlift spiritual food and water to Europe. EI has airlifted numerous U.S. teams to evangelize on the streets of Berlin, Madrid, and beyond. EI has brought spiritual leaders, speakers, and performers to share faith in word and song. The song is about Jesus Christ. Many people in Berlin and throughout Europe have come to know Jesus as Lord. EI has also brought the evangelical churches of Germany together to work as one. God just continues to give us a heart and a love for Europeans, for uh, Germans and, and, and people throughout the continent. And it's our desire to really see revival sparked here in Germany. The European Initiative has five strategies to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to Europe. EI has been already active in a Jewish initiative, a prayer initiative, a benevolence initiative, a teaching initiative, and an evangelistic initiative. EI has been busy bringing teams of believers from America here to the city to witness, to pray, and to make a difference in the spiritual climate of Berlin. We're based in Berlin. We have great relationships in Germany and other European nations. And there's so many leaders who are saying, we need your help. We need the help of Americans. We need American Christians here on European soil. recently reported that contemporary Europe is the most godless civilization the world has ever known. With the rise of Islam and with Europeans turning away from God, turning away from Jesus Christ, 
Europe is in great trouble. The only hope for Europe is a spiritual revival. Please help us bring a move of God, bring the life and the love of Jesus Christ to Europe. opportunities open, we'll let you know. Uh, Steve Joy, who flies for FedEx, hopes to be able to go there in February and see for himself what we would be doing if we sent a team, where would we be, where, where would we be staying. Um, we believe Jeff's a very honest man, but we want one of us to go and see it to help uh, promote it. Church crisis buildings having positive impacts on the world. Wouldn't you like to be a part? Who would like to be a part of the impact he's having on the world? Are you ready to be challenged? Look at this. What percentages of Americans have never known a Buddhist? Anybody guess? The answer is 59% of Americans have never known a Buddhist. What percentage of Americans have never known an illegal alien? 54%. A Muslim? 46%. A homeless person? 45%. A former inmate? 15%. We talked about the nations. We're talking about our nation now. This is pretty sad. An evangelical Christian. What percentage of Americans have never known an evangelical Christian? Can someone guess? 40% of Americans have not known, have never known one of us. I love the church. I live to serve the church. If I could, I would pay to do what I do. I love it. But saints, we have to beware that koinonia, as wonderful as it is, does not become koinonitis. That our love for one another does not become navel-gazing. We live in two worlds kingdom of God, but also the kingdom of darkness. Got to have both going on. If we love the world and don't love one another, then you know our testimony is not valid. But if we love one another and don't love the world, we don't have a testimony. And I think God removes his candlestick from groups that become that way. We've got to love each other also always have eyes open for newcomers who come and join us but also for people out there be a global church question to ask ourselves do we have a biblical world view we love Jesus but look at this Paul went to Mars Hill place where philosophers gathered in Athens. And this is a segment from his sermon. He said this. He said, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. And he elaborates on that. And then verse 26 he says, He, speaking of God, has made from one blood. Can we say one blood? One blood, one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. That foreigner, that alien, is your blood, my blood. And has determined the pre-appointed times 
and the boundaries of their dwellings. God has determined that. So what are they doing here? God determined they'd be here. And he determined that our boundaries would become theirs. Why? It has to be because of the church. It has to be. Well, they would say for economic reasons, but look at the economy. I mean, it's got to be for us. So that they, here's why, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. The world, as godless as it is, is not far from the kingdom. We just need to be that light, love and serve whatever we can do. For in him we live and move and have our being in him we live and move and we sang that in church a lot years ago didn't realize it was part of an evangelistic sermon but as well as a proclamation that god has set the nations in place out of one blood determined their times and their borders so do we view the world like this this needs to affect just think about it go back and home Read Acts 17, 26, and really think about that. I know that, you know, people should legally come to this nation. I believe that. But Jesus died for all sins, did he not? And for us to condemn the foreigners in our midst for not being legally documented. Could be a subtle trap to get us into condemning people. We can't do that. Joe, we, we announced last Sunday of an opportunity, and a couple of people are going to share what happened. We did that opportunity. There's a house on the campus of UTA where a church serves a dinner every Friday night and encourages Christians to come to mingle with the foreigners and get to know them. And some people from our church have been going, but recently Joe received a phone call inviting our church specifically to, to go and do this. So Joe did it last Friday. Let me start out by uh, saying uh, in, in, in my life I remember a time when people talked about evangelism and I found every, some something else to do because I knew they were going to they were going to push us to to talk to people I didn't know in a uncomfortable situation and 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 uh, often I stutter and stammer and and uh, felt pretty much like a failure and uh, what I want to share is this particular ministry is great if you've ever felt that way uh, because this this is not uh, there's really two things I want to I want to say very briefly. Number one, this there's no big program going on here. There's no sermon. There's no big uh, uh, plan. Really, all this ministry is on Friday. It's it's out of Grace Church, uh, that's in Arlington, and it's Cornerstone Ministry, which is on the on the edge of the University of Texas at Arlington campus. And what it is, they set up card tables with chairs, folding chairs. They cook hamburgers on the side, and they invite the international students to come. And most of these are not Christians, and that's one of the things you need to know. Most of them are not Christians. Uh, and all we're doing is just trying to get to know these folks. And these are, are young adults, most of them working on, on uh, advanced uh, University degrees, master's degrees, and some there's a few PhDs, but th these are just twenty-something people, and actually extremely friendly people, and very eager to know Americans. And one of the things that drew us was that most of them will come to to the campus of the University of Texas at Arlington for from a year to two years, and they'll never see an American home. They'll hardly ever get off of campus. So it was a real opportunity, and they are very eager to meet and talk with us. This is not high-pressure evangelism. 
So you're just talking with them. You're getting to know them. We had eight Chinese. We, we got to know them, and about six or seven weeks ago, we invited about eight of the, uh, uh, these Chinese students to come to our house. They spent part of the day with us. I took them down to Dinosaur Valley. We ate lunch, then we took them over to Greg and Marietta's and had, had dinner. And none of them are Christians. But we wanted to share the love of Christ. And one couple is very close to becoming believers in Jesus now. Not anything we did. But, but I just want to say this is not something you have to prep for. You don't have to be accomplished uh, at witnessing some of the words that sometimes scare us to death. You just have to be a friend. And this Grace Church, as, as Alan mentioned, they called me and asked if we could, because they're getting so many international students and not enough people, not enough Americans, to come and speak with them. And so, so we've had a, 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 several people came down. Steve and Susan came with us. Uh, last Friday. And so if you're interested, we're going every Friday. We meet here between 5.30 and 6. And Andy, I'm probably speaking way too long. I'll let you say something. Not that I'm not long-winded. Anyway, um, I just wanted to, to just kind of share real quickly because I like I feel a lot like when, when you go out and share the gospel with people or you're going to, to build relationships, sometimes I clamor up and I get a little bit fr- afraid because I feel like I don't have enough knowledge, I don't have enough information. And the great thing about this ministry that happens on Friday nights, it's happened this last Friday, is you go in there and you become the student at that time. And so you get to sit down. I got to sit down with this guy named Don. Don uh, was born in India and he grew up in Dubai. And uh I have no clue except for there's like massive construction in Dubai and the biggest buildings there. That's all I knew about this nation. And so for the next two hours, I sat down with Don and just learned this guy's culture. It was like, hey, what kind of religions are there? Hey, what kind of religion do you believe in? Hey, what, are, what goes on in Dubai? What do you typically do on a Friday night in Dubai? You know, just asking him these questions and building these relationships with him, which is a phenomenal opportunity. And as we do this, I, I'm really excited because, you know, by the end of the conversation, we're exchanging cell phone numbers. I'm like, I've got a guy from Dubai in my cell phone, you know. And so you get to build these relationships, and as we faithfully go back and we build more and more relationships with this, these people, we're going to see that the the Hindu religion that they believed in, or the Buddhist religion, or the or the animism, or whatever it is that they grew up knowing, we're going to see those things start to tear down, to where by the time that they go they go back home, they're going to know the love and the light of Jesus as they follow after Him wholeheartedly. And so that's the heart's cry of us: is that you don't have to go in. With the knockout punch, you go in just to build relationship with them. And so we want to encourage you guys. This Friday, we're going to be going. We're going to meet here at the church at around five thirty. And so come join us. It's a it's an incredible night. You don't have to know anything about the religion or the people. You just go in with a bunch of questions and you get to know them. It's a phenomenal experience. I want to encourage each of you guys to come this Friday night. So. When do you? Where you, when do you meet and where do you leave again? Here at 5.30. This Friday, you get an opportunity to do it. Who's heard of Omar Gaddafi? Has he been kind of a pain in the neck of our nation? He, years ago, was an international student in America. And not one American ever invited him to anything. So you never know the impact of what you can you just don't know. Opportunities are abounding. You want new joy? Do some type of outreach in your life. Seek to make him famous. That's what it's about. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord, we are living in the greatest time of history. Now, I'm about to leave this building and go out into the mission field. Help me to see who I can serve and show your awesome love everywhere that I go.
Amen. And we stand. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for the love of your people and for the love for one another. I thank you, Lord, for those who are doing things that none of us know about. I thank you, Lord, for those that are ministering in the jails. Thank you, Lord, for JP, who's ministering in the juvenile jail on Monday nights. Lord, raise up people to help him out of this church. Others are helping him. Lord, I just thank you for all the opportunities that are coming our way. Lord, may we realize it's not our fame that we should be after. It's your fame. And the result of that is joy, unspeakable, and glory we cannot imagine. Thank you, Lord, that the days of feeling guilty about not doing anything about the Great Commission are over. There's opportunities all around us that will fit with our personality, just opportunities to serve. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as your people go, we just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would be glorified in all that we do. Amen. I'll let you go after one praise report. Occasionally on Sunday mornings, there's a Thai lady that comes and sits over here. She owns the Wings Place by Starbucks, which is also a great Thai restaurant that she calls Yaya's. Yaya is a Thai expression for grandma. She's a grandmother. She's Yaya. Her name is Anne. Occasionally, her Caucasian boyfriend comes with her. All right? Recently, she got saved here. She's a Buddhist. Hallelujah. And our concern about her is that uh, Buddhism is an offshoot of Hinduism, which has millions of gods. Our concern was that if we pushed her, she would add Jesus to the million other gods of Hinduism. But the Sunday she got saved was a Sunday when the sermon preached was all about Jesus being the only way. He's come to take over. Everything else subservient to him. And she stood and was saved. And has been asking about water baptism. We got her a Bible in Thai and in English. She had an English Bible. She's in Thailand right now with her boyfriend getting permission to get married. They're coming back here and our church is going to marry them. Thank you, Lord. That's because of you all. Loving her, not pushing her, not shoving her around, just respecting her, learning what we can from her culture. I mean, there's things to learn from other people about politeness and manners. I mean, it's just awesome. It's just great. Love you guys. We just bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen.